I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Jonathan Moles, and you're listening to FT Startup Stories, a 10-part series in which I talk to entrepreneurs about the challenges they've faced in starting and growing their businesses. Attorney Whistleblower for a corruption investigation at the United Nations cost Ismail Ahmed his job, but a $200,000 compensation award gave him the opportunity to start a new career as an entrepreneur. His online money transfer service World Remit is now one of the UK's fastest growing tech businesses, with offices in the US, Canada, Australia and New Zealand. I visited him in his London office and he told me how this came about. I come from Somaliland, a country in East Africa, where remittances account for up to 40% of GDP. I remember growing up in Hargeisa when I was a schoolboy, uh, the capital city of Somaliland, which was at the time being transformed by remittances coming from the Gulf. And I had a lot of relatives who were in the Gulf, sending money back home. And I remember in those days, it used to take up to six months for migrants to send money back home. So, and the way it worked was because of exchange rate controls in Africa and also Asia in those days, a trader would typically travel to a place like Dubai, collect money from migrants, and use that money to buy goods, usually construction material. And once the goods are imported back into the country, sold, recipients will get the money but often they would get 100% of the amount. So if somebody sent $1,000, they would get $1,000. If they used the official channels, they would typically get like one-tenth of that amount. Can you tell me a bit about how you came to this point where you said, I've got to start this business? I won a scholarship from the World Bank before the war in Somalia to study at the University of London so that was my first-hand experience of sending money because I took up a part-time job at the university to support family members back home, particularly during the war. And during the summer in particular, I used to do all types of temporary jobs, including strawberry picking, which was extremely hard work in farms near Ashford. I used to live in Ashford, Kent. And that was when I had a first-hand experience of the inconvenience and cost of sending money back home. A return trip to a money transfer agent in London suburbs used to take me up to three hours and it used to cost me up to £20 to travel to that location. I mean, I used to send small amounts of money and typically the fees were around 10 to 20% depending on the amount. And it hurt when you think that in terms of the number of strawberry trays you had to pick up to pay the fees and the cost of sending money. After studying, how long was it until you took the leap and what were you doing in between? I did a PhD, which meant going back to Hargeisa again 
doing research uh. to understand how people end their livelihoods after the war because the war disrupted trade and economic activities. And that was when I learned the fact that remittances became a lifeline for millions of people in the region. And after that, I joined a research program financed by the UK government at the University of Sussex, where I still continue to do research on remittances. And then the UN contacted me after uh, 9-11, when the UN started a remittance program aimed at helping the traditional money transfer companies to comply with anti-money laundering regulations. So I joined that program, which was based in Dubai and Nairobi, Spent a couple of years in that program. There was a fraud and corruption in the remittance program. I became a whistleblower. And because of my whistleblowing, what, what happened was that the program was shut down to cover up the corruption. And it took a long time, but I ultimately got compensation for what I went through. And I used that money to seed fund World Remit. The work I was doing at the UN was to build a common platform for traditional money transfer companies that send money to East Africa. So I was a compliance advisor and I was responsible for building something similar to what I built at World Remit. But fortunately, because of the fraud in the UN, we were not able to successfully implement the platform. So when I learned that the UN was shutting down the program, Effectively, I had been my bridge to work in remittances, particularly in that sector or development for that matter. So you joined London Business School to do the executive MBA there? Yes. And then it was, while I was at LBS, I won my case through the UN and I was awarded a compensation, which then helped me officially start the... I see. So it was really a convergence of things that just sort of came together. Yes. I mean, I had friends at the school... So I joined one of their flagship programs where I had mentors who guide me through the the process. And also, LBS was the best place to raise some funding. I mean, the initial money I got from the UN was was only good enough for me to get the FCA license, uh, Financial Contract Authority. That's the UK regulator. The UK regulator. But, uh, of course, to build a platform, to hire a team, I needed a lot more money. So LBS was really a a fantastic place for tapping the network. And initially raising $7.5 million through the school network, yes. How big is World Remit now? Today we employ more than 200 people, mainly in London, but also we have offices in Denver in the USA. We have up to 30 people. We have uh, offices in Montreal, Canada, Sydney in Australia, Auckland in New Zealand. And so we're truly a global business today. We send remittances from more than 50 countries to more than 125 countries. We say we're making money transfers as simple as sending an instant message. And I've lived through to see remittances take six months when I was a schoolboy in Hargeisa to today when somebody could do a transaction within a few minutes and the money is instantly credited into a mobile account in Kenya, Uganda, Zimbabwe, or even for that matter, Somaliland, which also has got a successful mobile wallet. And I think I'm fortunate to be a part of that sort of a process where remittances are being transformed. And so many of the migrants now don't need to travel the three hours it used to take me when I was in Ashford or pay 10 to 20% fees. So I think what we're going to address to 
perennial issues in this industry. One was the very high cost of sending money and the inconvenience, and the other one was the concern is about money laundering, terrorism financing, which is the work I uh, was trying to do at the UN. Waverly Deutsch is an expert on startup funding at the Chicago Booth School of Business in the US. I asked her what difference the internet had made to the way startups are funded. Well, it actually means that there is a lot more money readily accessible. We have a situation in the US where we have angel investors who do 70,000, 80,000 deals a year. That means that 70 or 80,000 small companies are getting tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars from angel investors. These companies very often think that that means that once they've proven some milestones, gotten some revenue, put a minimum viable product out there, that it's going to be relatively easy for them to get venture backing. But the truth of the matter is that venture deals haven't increased at all. In fact, early stage venture deals have declined. So we're doing about 2,000 deals a year with new companies in the venture world. What that means is we've got a huge pool of companies that aren't yet self-sustaining from a revenue perspective, that have some level of proof of concept in the market, but who need external funding in order to survive and get to the next stage in their business. They're going out looking for venture capital rounds, and there simply isn't the money out there for them. So we have a lot of what Silicon Valley calls the Valley of the Cockroaches, where these companies are sort of clinging to life, trying to figure out how can they become either revenue-sustaining, use debt or additional bridge-style angel funding just to survive. So crowdfunding could, in fact, make that situation a lot worse. We could get more companies who get enough money to get underway, but not enough money to get to sustainability. You know, historically speaking, about 70% of startups have failed. And I don't know that those numbers change. What I think is we may be delaying failure for a lot of small businesses that simply don't work. We're giving them a little bit more time using what I like to call opium, other people's money, highly addictive stuff. But we're just sort of delaying the inevitable. So the one message that I really try to hammer home with my students is have a revenue model because sustainability is all predicated on funding your business by acquiring customers. Ismail Ahmed explains how he managed to attract that crucial second stage investment that helped fund World Remit's rapid global expansion. A decision we made earlier that helped us even to attract world-class investors was going global very early. We launched our services in the UK in November and we set up in Canada a few weeks later. And then we did Australia, the rest of Europe. So we really went global very early. And that helped us to build a global business where our income from UK accounts for no more than 25%. Yes. How were you able to do that quickly? When you're building a large global business, you need a lot of money. I mean, so far we've raised $147 million. Right. It is about getting that kind of money to scale up the business. That is quite challenging. What did you do? 
I think we had built sufficient traction. The business was successful, particularly in terms of the revenue we generated. So we were able to attract two big venture capital firms based in the West Coast. I think you need to do a lot more than what typical West Coast companies do to attract that kind of capital. Mm. So for us, we only raised first VC money when our revenue was five and a half million in 2013. So in the US and then in 2014, we did the second round when our revenue was 15 and a half million pounds. So that's very fast growth. And that's why we were in the UK, the fastest growing technology company. In the next episode, Richard Walton tells how a health warning from his doctor prompted a decision to relocate from London to Costa Rica and what impact this had on his business and his family life. You can catch up on previous episodes of FT Startup Stories by going to our special page, ft.com startup, where you can find links to FT articles on entrepreneurship and business education. You can also take up our offer of a 25% discount on a subscription to the Financial Times by going to ft.com forward slash startup offer. Until next time, goodbye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.